0: Thank you for listening to the Calvary Chapel Lubbock podcast. Our mission of teaching people to love God by showing them how much He loves us starts right now.
1: Okay, guys, remember two weeks ago, okay, last week we had Neely here and, and uh, we did a communion message. But two weeks ago we left off and if you recall, Isaac, okay, he was about to get a bride, okay, he was... He was looking for Rebecca. And you remember the servant went on a mission. He had prayed. He had prayed specifically. He actually put out a fleece. And he found Rebecca because Rebecca came and he said, he said, okay, the one that's Lord, if you've made this trip successful, Lord, and, and you honor my, my, my master Abraham, the woman that comes out and says, and I said, give me a drink. She says, I'll give you a drink. And not only that, I'll, I'll give your camels a drink too. She'll be the one. Well, Rebecca, right before we even finished praying, Rebecca comes out, and she's and he runs to her, and he says, he says, "Hey, uh, can I have a drink?" Oh, sure, yeah, right away, absolutely. So she, she goes, not only that, I'll, I'll give your camels a drink too. And he knew that God was there, and he even questioned at that point. He was like, "Lord, is this the wine?" And uh, man, it just, it just. It, just warms my heart because I know there are times when it's like the writings on the wall if you will and I still question God. You know it's like, Lord, is this? <sighs> okay, I trust you. Do I trust you? So, he does that, right? But but one of the things that we saw that was so amazing guys is that he the servant was a type of the Holy Spirit getting a bride for Isaac, but the Holy Spirit gets a bride for Christ. And if you recall, that's the Holy Spirit's job. And, and we got to see that, that, that his main job, right? The Holy Spirit's main job, and you got to jot this down, is to get a bride for Jesus. And you go, what do you mean? In other words, he is the one that points us to Jesus so we can be saved. You see, before you were saved, before you heard, before the scales fell from your eyes, it was the Holy Spirit inside you that was illuminating these things that were true. The gospel message was coming to life and you're going, are you kidding me? It was so much so that religion couldn't even hold water to when you heard the truth. You may have been brought up in a certain religion. You're like, wait a minute, that's not, I've never heard that. And the gospel comes in and you're like, I see, it's a work of the Holy Spirit. What he's doing, he's getting a bride for God. We're the bride of Christ. Now, for the sake of our study, I was, I was typing this out. I thought, you know what we need to do? We need to unpack really quick the ministry of the Holy Spirit. We need to just kind of know who he is. And, and that way, we, before we jump in, and, and we'll get a good understanding of who the Holy Spirit is in these last days. Now, why do I say in these last days? Now, before I jump into the Holy Spirit, I want to remind you guys, I want to remind you prophetically... Okay, prophetically, Jesus is going to come back anytime. As a matter of fact, if you look at globally and you kind of see what's going on in the world, Iran is ready to go to war with Israel. They are prime. they are ready, things are happening that we don't even know about, but this is, what, this is what's going to happen globally prophetically, we can look up and see that Jesus is coming back. I saw a meme on Facebook the other day, and, and uh, we'll get all excited. I mean, they, they said something about, you know, everybody gets excited when Christmas is coming. Oh, Christmas is coming. But nobody gets excited when we say Jesus is coming. I mean, it's like he's... And then, and then it went on to say, if the pastor is not telling the church that Jesus is coming back soon, what's he telling him? I'm saying Jesus is coming back soon. Are you ready? Are you ready? Listen, I understand, guys. I get it. I get it that we have, we have single, we have kids here, man. They got their whole lives ahead of them. A single sister in front of me. She's like in college. And I mean, I get it. You want to be married. You want to have your first house. You want to have kids. That's all good. That, God put that in you. But Live your life like he's going to come back and that, there, and that heaven is a much better place. Live your life knowing that he's coming back. Don't compromise your standards, kids. Don't compromise your walk with, with, with God for the fleeting pleasures of the world. Don't compromise that. Say, no, oh, no, 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 no. Listen, I'm, I'm going to plan. I'm going to do what I need to do, but I'm going to live. I'm going to live with a heart in love with Jesus. You won't regret it. I promise you, he's coming back soon. Well, the first thing we need to understand, guide according to our text, is that is the Holy Spirit is a person, okay? We understand he's a person. He's the third person of the triune God. And throughout the Bible, he's often illustrated in several ways. You can jot these down if you want to know. When it talks about the Holy Spirit, oftentimes, according to Luke 24, 49, um, he's, he's often referred to as clothing. You can put on the Holy Spirit. In other places, it's, he's, he's referred to or illustrated as a dove. Like a dove descending, that's part of the Holy Spirit. This is why we have a dove as part of our, uh, our church's Calvary Chapel. We want the word mixed with the Holy Spirit to illuminate God's word to us. You go, what else? Well, oftentimes he's... He's often known as earnest. According to Ephesians 1:14, check this out. The spirit of God's guarantee, it's a guarantee that he will give us an inheritance he promised that he had purchased to us to be his own people. He did he did this so we would praise and glorify him. So not only is he a dove, he's also your guarantee. He's that guarantee inside you. You go, "What else, Ben?" Well, oftentimes in scripture, he's fire. Right? We're going to be baptized with water and fire. We're going to be baptized in the Holy Spirit. See, guys, I think at times Christianity has gotten to the place where we just kind of come to church. We sit on the, we sit in the chairs and we just sing hallelujah and we praise the Lord and we kind of get a feel-good message. But we forget this, the, the power of the Holy Spirit and how he moves in our lives and how he changes our lives and how he convicts our hearts and, and how fire just cleanses and purifies us. The Holy Spirit is often used as oil. Also too, I love this, Ephesians 1.13 is a seal. It says this, in him you are, you also you trusted after you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, in whom also having believed, you were sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise. That's what happened. What happened is when you gave your life to Jesus, the Holy Spirit, you are sealed with him. And he's living inside you. We also see, guys, that he's a servant. According to Genesis 24, we saw that two weeks ago. He was the servant. He's a type of the servant, bringing people to Jesus. We also see that he's water. And, of course, we also know that he's wind. According to Acts chapter 2, 1 and 2, it says, When the days of Pentecost had fully come, they were all in one accord in one place. And suddenly there came a sound from heaven as a rushing, mighty wind, and it filled the whole house where they were sitting. Can you imagine? Wouldn't you like to be there? Wouldn't you like that to happen now? We're sitting here, and we're having Bible study, and we're all getting into it, and you hear this like, just this amazing rushing wind, but it's like, wait a minute. we're, We're in West Texas. It's always windy. No, no, no. It's a different kind of wind, and you can feel it, and the Holy Spirit just comes in and just blows you away. You see guys, we're not we're not to be afraid of the Holy Spirit. He's God.
2: And we long for him to walk with him. You see we read about that in Acts chapter 2, but but I want to experience that.
1: Well, why do they get to have all the fun? Because the same spirit, guys, the same spirit, I mean he's he's in us. He's here. How cool would it be is that we were in the midst of teaching and all of a sudden we just, man, that Holy Spirit just fell upon us and we were just praising and worshiping God. Not in a crazy way, don't get me wrong. Not in a way that was was just distracting, but in a way that you know it's God's Holy Spirit. And man, we couldn't even lift up our head and we, we were crying out our sins to the Lord and we were asking for forgiveness. Why? Why? Because the ministry of the Holy Spirit is number one. Guys, jot this down. He's he's convicting. He's convicting. To convict means to place the truth of the gospel in a clear light before the unsaved so that it's acknowledged at truth. Whether or not Jesus is received as Savior, it's convicting. You know that. It's also to regeneration. Regeneration, a spiritual work in the heart which imparts eternal life. That's what we need to understand. Oftentimes we go, listen, you would say, I'm saved. I'm saved. I would say, are you a Christian? I'm a Christian, brother. I'm a Christian. Well, how do you know? Well, when I was eight years old, I walked forward to the church, and I stood in front of the preacher, and I prayed the prayer, and I'm saved. But really, it's a work of God's Holy Spirit. It's not because your parents are Christians. It's not because your grandparents are pastors. It's because, it's because you made a choice, and God's Holy Spirit moved in your heart. That's what salvation is. See, and we got to be careful that we don't just go, hey, pray this prayer and you're saved. Well, we believe you got born again. It's a supernatural work. It's the Holy Spirit that regenerates your heart. You go, Ben, what does that mean? Well, that means that we have a lot of praying to do. Because we know people who claim Christianity. We know people who go, oh, I'm a Christian. But we know that their heart hasn't been regenerated we we'll go, well, what do you mean? Well, here's the, th- here's the difference. Your life has to be transformed, not simply conformed to the culture. You see, it has to be transformed from the inside out, not just simply conforming, going, hey, well, everybody's doing it. This is what my Christian friends do. I say hallelujah, amen, God bless you, and I hug everybody, and I say sister and brother. That's not transformation. That's you're conforming to the culture of where you hang out with. But see, transformation comes from the inside. It's a work of God's Holy
2: Spirit.
1: It's when you read the Bible and it illuminates and you're just like, oh my goodness, this is so cool. I didn't even see that. Let me me give you an example, okay? I know we're not going to get done because all these thoughts are coming to my mind, but let me give you an example, okay? Job. How many of you have ever read the book of Job? Isn't that a crazy book, Job? Job starts out really good, okay? Really good. You guys remember the story? Job. Job is is just amazing. But here's what I learned the other day. I never saw it before. But here's what I learned. Job, everything happens. Boom. Servants dead. Family dead. Houses, tornado. Feasting. Boils. Health. We all know what's going on, right? Job. And we're mad, man, we go, man, I never want to be Job. Remember what happened? Job's three friends came to him and they were saying, Job, what up, dude? Where did you sin? To confess your sin. be Even his wife. Do you remember what his wife said? His wife said, Job, you know what? curse God and die. Just be done. Look at you sitting there, a pile of boils and you can't even move. What's going on? And all his friends came, right? And what did Job do? If you guys read it, chapter after chapter after verse, Job is defending himself. I didn't do anything. I don't know what I did. I sacrificed. I did it. Right? Until the very end, guess what happens? God shows up. And he says, Job, we got to talk. And Job's like, and Job says, I need to shut my mouth. Everything I said, but here's the point. When God showed up, he said, Job, you tell me, where, where does the rain, Listen, any, any, and he says, you're going to answer me. And one of the things that illuminated my heart, I was like, right, I've always were angry at the three friends. Man, I need better friends. These guys came in, and but what it revealed and why Job was so repentant, guys, it revealed that there was actually some pride in the fact that he hadn't done anything wrong. And he, when, he, when, when God showed up, he was like, oh. you see, because sometimes we feel like we can live righteously. And then something happens and we go, no, I don't think I did anything. It was never going, oh, Lord, search my heart, did I? And we know Job didn't do anything wrong. We know that Satan was up there going, but I never saw that there was actual sin in the fact that he was defending himself to his friends.
2: I was just like, wow.
1: Wow, it was, it was amazing. So we see that, guys, that, 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 that the spiritual work of the heart imparts eternal life. We get to see that. Why? Because it's a work of God. And then we see the work of the Holy Spirit is indwelling. Guys, he lives inside you. Now, let me just say this. If God's Holy Spirit lives inside you, that's either really, really good news or it's really bad news. You go, what do you mean really bad news? Think about that. You're taking God's Holy Spirit into things that maybe you shouldn't be taking him into. You're watching things with God's Holy Spirit that maybe you shouldn't. Pastor? Pastor? Knock it off. We're under grace. Oh, well, come Sunday because we're going to talk about that. All things are what? That's what Corinthians said. Man, I can, all things. And he says, yeah, all things may be lawful for you, but not all things are profitable. I mean, is God's word cool or what? So we know that he indwells us. And I'm going to show you this point here a little bit later on, okay, in the text. So his main job, guys, is to point people to Jesus for salvation, for sanctification, and then eventually for glorification. That's the Holy Spirit's job. It was so cool. Okay, so we ended up our study with Rebecca and Isaac getting married. Look at verse 63 of chapter 24. So Isaac went out to meditate in the field in the evening. He lifted his eyes and looked, there were Camels were coming and Rebecca lifted her eyes and when she saw Isaac, she dismounted from her camel for she had said to the servant, who is this man in in the field to meet us? And the servant said, this is my master. So she took a veil and she covered herself. Do you guys remember that? And the servant told Isaac all the things that he had done and Isaac brought her to his mother's tent. He took Rebecca. She became his wife. And he loved her so. So Isaac was comforted after his mother's death. Can I just say this one one thing when it comes to marriage? A lot of times, guys, we prepare for the wedding, but we never invite Jesus into the marriage. And and I look at this stick, and and all Isaac did, he says, we're married, he brought her in, boom. It wasn't all about, you know, the bridezilla, it wasn't all about the dress, it wasn't all about that, because... Because it was a work of God's spirit inside the heart. Pastor Ben, are you saying that I can't have the wedding that no, 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 have the wedding, but invite Jesus to walk with you in the marriage.
2: All the way, all the way.
1: So they're married. Well, in chapter 25, the story is about to change. Why? Because today, guys, we say goodbye to Abraham as he dies at a ripe old age of 175. If Joe was here, he'd go, right? 175. Now, I know he'll be listening, so there you go, Joe. Now, we begin the story of Isaac here in just a little bit. Now, here's what I want you to do. I want you to write this down because I want to give you an outline. I've given it to you before. But again, remember, the outline of the book of Genesis is we see stories, okay? Number one, we saw the creation story. We saw the creation story. Then it moved to Adam and Eve's story. Then we saw Noah's story. We've been hanging out with Abraham's story. We got three stories left. We're going to see Isaac's story. This is up to chapter 28. Then we're going to see Jacob's story. Okay, we'll meet him tonight. And then we're going to see Joseph's story all the way to the end Of chapter 50. So, three more stories as we keep going. Hence the name of the series, His Story, also to History. You guys see the history of. Isn't that clever? Wasn't that clever, man? So, with that as our intro, let's jump into our text for tonight, guys. Let's start with the first story in the chapter. Abraham, center stage, once again. Verse 1, chapter 25 Abraham again took a wife. And her name was Keturah. Now, remember, Sarah had died. Abraham has moved on. Okay? He finds another woman and he gets married. Now, I was looking at this and I thought, well, some people marry for life. One woman, no matter what, boom. Okay? I think it was heard the other day that if, that if uh, <laughs> yeah, that... Uh, If Amanda dies, that uh, we would make Josh's life miserable, something like that. So I think it's one way. But for other people, guys, it's okay. I mean, some people, their spouse dies, and and they want to remarry, and that's okay. Here's what we need to remember. We should always remember that it's okay to, to stay widowed or to remarry, because the Bible says that when you're married, it's till death do us part. Okay, And although you think, man, yeah, your gorgeous, beautiful wife is going to be in heaven waiting for you, in heaven it's a little bit different. She's going to be your sister, and it's going to be really awkward running up to your sister and trying to give her a kiss. I'm just saying, you can read the scripture. but But down here, okay, if you're married, you can kiss your wife. If you're not married, don't even think about it. So anyways, that's where we're at. <laughs> So Abraham, guys, guys. Abraham is living life to the fullest. He finds another woman, Keturah. I, I like her name. If you have a pencil handy, her name means perfume or incense. She smells good. Like, maybe that's maybe that's why he picked her. He's like, oh, you smell good. You don't smell like a camel. Come here, baby. You know? I don't know. I mean, you know, if you've ever been to Israel in the Middle East, you know they smell like camels. I mean, that's it's stuff out there. But she smells good. She smells good. Now, we've got to do some work. Why? Because according to 1 Chronicles, jot this down, guys. 1 Chronicles one thirty-two, it says this. Now, the son's born to Keturah, Abraham's concubine. So the Word of God calls her a concubine. That's interesting. A concubine is like a wife, but without all the benefits. So she, she married or she, well, the Bible says she was a concubine.
2: Well, we don't know.
1: Either she's married to Abraham, but here's what we do know. Abraham gets married to her and has, listen to me, six more kids with him. Six more kids, okay? Now, we got to chat. Why? Because this just jumped out of the pages. You go, why? Because here's what I want you to do. I want you to remember and jot this down somewhere in your Bible. Remember the promises of God. Remember the promises of God. Therefore, you remember the promises of God. Why? Because remember, according to Genesis 17, 5 and 6, it says this, No longer will your name be called Abram, it shall be called Abraham, for I have made you a father of many nations. You guys with me? Many nations. Okay? Okay? I will make you exceedingly fruitful. I will make nations of you kings shall come from you. Now, what you and I do, we step back in 2019 and we go, oh, that must be spiritual families. That must be spiritual. Why? Because he's all Father Abraham. And we're, that's that's how we get it. It's spiritually through Jesus Christ. But listen, this is God's promise. Why? Because Father Abraham had a boy before he had Isaac. Do you remember what his name was? His name was Ishmael, right? Ishmael goes on and he has 12 boys who actually make up the Arab nations. So now you have the Arab nations. Isaac is going to have two boys. And one of those boys is going to have 12 sons that we know of. This is where we get the tribes of Israel. So now you have the Israeli nation. And then Keturah's boys are going to make up another nation. And we're not exactly sure where they landed. So God's promises are true. And you go, Pastor, what's the point? That's exactly it. God's promises are true. Think about this. The father of many peoples and nations, plus add on the spiritual family, that's us. And you go, well, great for Abraham. No, 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 great for us because we can hang on to the promises of God. They're true and they're for us. Why are we walking in this life not holding on to the promises of God and claiming those promises in our life? If you are lonely, you say, God, you promised you will never leave me nor forsake me. I don't have to be lonely because you're with me every single day. You're walking and I'm talking to you. Guys, that's it's the promises are true. Think about all the other promises, God. We don't have, we don't have time to go through them, but think about that. You go, well, Ben, what else? Well, according to Genesis eighteen ten through 14, listen. And he said, I will certainly return to you according to the time of life. And behold, Sarah, your wife, will have a son. Now, Sarah was listening in at the tent door, which was behind him. Now, Abraham and Sarah were old, well advanced in age. Guys, they were really beyond, beyond childbearing, okay? They were old. I think Abraham was 100 and Sarah was 90, right? But the angel says, dude, you're going to have a baby next year at this time. Next year at this time, you're going to have a baby. And Sarah goes, (laughs) right? She didn't laugh. She laughed in unbelief. Right? After, notice, therefore, Sarah laughed within herself saying, after I've grown old, I should have pleasure, my Lord, being old also? And the Lord said to Abraham, why did Sarah laugh? Surely... I shall surely bear a child since I am old. Is anything too hard for the Lord? At the appointed time, I will return to you according to the time of life, and Sarah will have a son. Now, where was that son supposed to come from? Abraham. He's old. She's old. Okay? But you go, but Ben, 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 what was the promise? Guys, check this out. Here's the promise. You ready? Ready? When God restores a person in his old age to have kids, it wasn't a one-time thing. Like like Abraham didn't go, all right, I got the fertility, fertility. I'm going to, you know, I'm going to, I'm going to, and then, uh check it out, check it out. Listen, Abraham at 100 years old was healed all the way up into his 150s because he went on and had six more kids. And you go, well, pastor, what is the point? Listen to me, and this is for us. You ready? When God heals,
2: when God heals a broken heart, when God restores a marriage, guys, it's not a one-time thing.
1: It's not for a season. It's not, hey, well, yeah, we were happy for one year. When God does a work, guys, he does it permanently. He does it permanently. And the wounds that you used to carry, God has healed and continues to heal so that those things don't bother you anymore.
2: He restores it.
1: Now, now listen. Listen. We might question God at times. But I wrote here, there are no takebacks from God. Can you imagine? Hey, I'm going to bless you. Nah, just kidding. Take it back. God doesn't do that. Hey, I'm going to restore your marriage. Hey, I'm going to heal. Listen, what we need to do is we need to believe. And we need to trust that God is so powerful that he can do what nobody else can do.
2: We need to believe that with all of our heart. We need to live that with all of our heart.
1: There are no takebacks from God. Well, Keturah, notice, she bore him, verse 2. Zimram, Jokshan, Midan, Midian, Ishbak, and Shunah. Jokshan begot Sheba and Dedan. You can look at those in Ezekiel later on, Ezekiel 38. The sons of Dedan were Asherim, Latushim, and Lumenim. And the sons of Midian were Ephaph, Eder, Hanak, Ab- Abida, and Eldah. These were the children of Keturah. So these are not only the children, but these are the grandchildren. Okay? So she has six kids. Now, look, the scene changes for a moment. Look at verse 5. And Abraham gave all that he had to Isaac. Do you guys see that? Underline that right there. He gave all that he had to Isaac. Isaac is the promised child with in which the Messiah, Jesus Christ, will come. Right? So what does Abraham do? You guys ready? He gives him all that he had. Now catch this. Catch this. Up until this point, he was given things to provide for him. Okay, He was taking care of him as he provided for him. As, as long as Abraham was still alive, he was taking care of his son. Isaac doesn't get it all until Abraham dies. You guys with me? Abraham doesn't get it all until, until Abraham dies. And then once Abraham dies, everything belongs to Isaac. Guys, listen, jot this down. When we get Jesus, we get it all. When we get Jesus, we get it all. Everything, listen, everything we will ever need is found in Jesus, and you'll have it all. The question to us is why do we search for everything outside of Jesus? Why do we search for fulfillment outside of Jesus? Why do we search? It's all found in the Lord. And notice the parallel. You go, what do you mean? Notice the parallel. You go, what's the parallel, right? Well, here's the thing. The parallel is this. Abraham is going to die soon. Isaac does not have it all until what? Until he dies. That's the covenant. When Jesus died for our sins, he brought in the new covenant, was activated. It's called a testament, a last will and testament. But that's why we call it the new testament, which means when we get Jesus, guys, we got it all. We got it all. But let me tell you this. Much like the Corinthian church, much like the Corinthian church, Their misunderstanding of the gospel has led them to worldliness, to carnality. They didn't understand. They were searching for for what? Fulfillment in the world. They were searching for fulfillment in relationships. They were searching for validation through other people instead of going, listen, this is the gospel message. This is what it is for me. Very, very key. Very key. Isaac gets it all. Look at verse 6. But Abraham gave gifts to his sons of the concubines which Abraham had. And while he was still living, he sent them eastward, away from Isaac, his son, to the country of the east. Guys, when he says he gave him gifts, these were blessings. These were one-time gifts. Now, we need to understand, don't get me wrong, he, he didn't, like, give him a pencil and eraser set and say, okay, go. He gave him, like, starter set. He gave him, like, like, starter flocks. Okay, this is your... Abraham was rich, and he gave each of his sons, right, starter flocks, etc. but he dismissed them because Isaac was the principal heir. Isaac was the one. He didn't want them. He said, listen, here, y'all start, boom, Go. And he gave each of them gifts. But who got it all? Isaac got it all. Isaac got it all. Well, what happens now? Well, we say goodbye to Abraham. Look at verse 7. This is the sum of the years of Abraham's life, which he lived. 175 years. Then Abraham breathed his last. He died at a good old age. An old man full of years and was gathered to his people. Everybody see that? Gathered to his people. Okay, I want you to, you got to note this really quick, okay? When it says gathered to his people, it doesn't mean that he went back to Mesopotamia where he was from. God had already called him out of Ur of the Chaldees into the land of Canaan. What it actually means, guys, is that it means that more in a spiritual sense, Okay, when he was gathered to his people, it means to all those who had put their faith and trust in God and that were already there, okay? So what happens at this point, okay, there's no heaven. There's something called Abraham's bosom. In Abraham's bosom, there's two, two sections in Abraham's bosom. One of them is where the righteous people, those who believed or were accounted righteous as went, okay? That's where Abraham's going to go, and they call it Abraham's bosom. The other part is what we call, I mean, it's all called Hades, but this is where people who didn't believe in God go. Okay, two, two separate areas. Say, when Abraham dies, he's going to be gathered to his people right here. If you didn't believe in God, you didn't want to put your faith in God, you were unrighteous, you went to the other spot. Jesus talked about that in Luke, right? Where the, where the rich man and Lazarus, Lazarus came over here and the rich man's like, send Lazarus. And Abraham's like, dude, sorry, we can't even cross the Gulf. And when Jesus died, he descended, he came, to, he came to Abraham's bosom and he led captivity captive back to heaven. That's where they are. The Bible says to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord, okay? What happens if you don't believe If you're not born again, you still go to what we call Hades. We call it hell. It's the holding place until the final judgment. What happens if you're a believer? Then you go into the presence of God in heaven. This is empty now. So if you decided, Ben, I'm not going to believe in God, I don't want to trust, I don't want to put my faith, and you die, you go to a place, but you you could look across to Abraham's bosom and you could see there's nobody there. Jesus came and cleaned it out, and he took him back to heaven. When the Bible says he descended, that's what it means. He went and he said, hey, y'all ready to go to heaven? And everybody said, yes, the promise is fulfilled, the Messiah. And they all went to heaven. Okay? When you're believers, and of course you're here on Wednesday night, so I'm preaching to the choir... But what happens, guys, is you go, oh, when you die, man, you you, you just, man, right into the
2: presence of the Lord. That's where he's going to go. He was gathered to his people. He was gathered to his people.
1: I, I like the phrase gathered to his people. Why? Because... Because I think I wrote here, if we put our faith in Jesus, that means we're his people. You guys with me? And and it's time Christians stop beating up family
2: members. We need to
1: love people to life, and we need to love people back to life. Guys, we're family, and we're all living on the same street. So we need to forgive and we need to show mercy and we need to have compassion and we need to be generous with our things. That's what Christians really should be. We're
2: all on the same
1: we're all, we're all on the same team. How important it is for us to do this, to forgive, to show mercy to show compassion. In verse nine, it says, and his sons Isaac and Ishmael buried him in the cave of Machpelah, which is in Mamre, the field of Ephron, the son of Zoar the Hittite. We studied that, right? We knew exactly what that was, but here's what I want you to see. This is so cool because Ryrie, okay, the commentator said this, the presence of Ishmael at Abraham's funeral shows there was a reconciliation between him and Isaac. Remember they were at odds, remember he was 13 and he was and he was man, he was just uh he was being a booger to his brother. Right? And now and now there's some reconciliation. Guys, oftentimes it does take a funeral to reconcile us back together but it shouldn't when somebody dies that's when we sort of bury the hatchet and say okay and i'm sorry sister i'm sorry brother this is but but guys listen it shouldn't be a funeral it should be it should be a place where we 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 want to reconcile if we can help it the bible says to be at peace with all people as long as you can help it be at peace. Well, they bury him in the field, which Abraham purchased, right? You knew that, the sons of Heth. Abraham is buried there, and Sarah his wife. And it came to pass after the death of Abraham that God blessed his son Isaac, and Isaac dwelt in Beer Laharoi. So that's what we get. Now we move to another story, okay? This is a story of Ishmael, right? And it's just a few verses. Look at verse 12. Now, this is the genealogy of Ishmael, Abraham's son, whom Hagar, the Egyptian, Sarah's maidservant, bore to Abraham. Now, these are the names of the sons of Ishmael by their names according to their generations. Okay? The firstborn of Ishmael was Nebojoth, or Oth, then Kadar, then Ad Beel, and then Midsam, and Mishma, Duma, Massa, Hadad, Tima, Jutur, Nafish, and Kedema. Kedema. Now, if you have a, a, a name like Amanda or Josh or Ben or Sandra or Josh or Larry, those are good names. Okay, you can remember, they're easy to spell, but can you imagine being in first grade and trying to figure out how to spell, you know, Nafish or Kedema? right? It's like, what are these names? But they have meanings. They have meanings, okay? These are the sons of Ishmael. These were their names. It says in their settlements, 12 princes according to their nations. Verse 17 says, these were the years of the life of Ishmael. Ishmael lived 137 years. He breathed his last, died, and was gathered to his people. He dwelt in Havilah for as far as Shur, which is the east of Egypt as you go to Assyria. He died in the presence of all his brethren. Remember when Hagar left, she went into she went into Sure right there in, in, in Egypt. That's kind of where he stayed. So now all of a sudden you've got this, but you go, Well, what do the names mean? Well, if you're taking note and you want them, that's fine, but but it's just Ishmael's in, in and uh uh Nebuchadnezzar or Naba if if it's in Hebrew, means fruitfulness. That's the first one, fruitfulness. So they named their kid fruitfulness. Kadar, Kadar means dark colored. So, I don't, I mean, he must have came out and been dark-skinned. He said, let's name him dark-colored. That's his name, Kadar, right? Abbil, Abbil is disciplined of God, okay? Mibsam, Mibsam, if you're taking note, his name means fragrant. So, he smells good. Apparently, that's a big deal. We should all smell good, right, Esperanza? We should all smell good. Mishma means son of Ishmael. So you named, they just named him. What are we going to name him? I don't know. Name him son of Ishmael. Okay. Duma means silence. Okay, so maybe this guy didn't talk at all. <laughs> he just didn't talk. And he to tell this story of how I got to be able to talk in a household of three women. Anyways, that would be my name, Duma. How about this? Massa, that means burden. Burden. Hadar means chamber. Tima, this is a sad one. There's no meaning. There was no meaning for his name. Jatur means encircled. Nefish means refreshed. And Kedema means precedence. Precedence. So they all have meaning. You go, Ben, what was this for? Just for you. Just for you. Now catch this. The list of Ishmael's descendants shows a fulfillment of God's promise in 17, chapter 17, verse 20. Why? Because they settled in the general regions of central and north-central Arabia. So he said, again, you're going to have nations. You have Israel nations, Arab, and you have uh, the, the Arabian nations. So all of them there from Abraham. So now we jump into another story. Okay, we jump into another story, verse 19. He says, This is the genealogy of Isaac, Abraham's son. Abraham begot Isaac. Isaac was how old? Help me, church. 40 years old when he took Rebekah as his wife, and the daughter of Bethuel of Saran of uh, Padanaram, and the sister of Laban the Syrian. Okay, so here's what I want to show you I want to show you something very interesting. Isaac is how old, guys? 40 years old when he got married. 40 years old, he married Rebecca. Now, I just want to say this. Biblically, 40 is the new 20 when you compare Abraham's lifespan to ours. 40 is the new 20. You go, how did you do that? I took Abraham's age at 175. I divided it by four. It gave us about 43 years, 43 years. section, right? Abraham's 40, so that would kind of be 20, because we live to be about 80. Let's just say that. So 20, 40, 60, 80. So 40 is the new 20, because I know some of you go, man, he was 40 years old when he got married. What? Because something happens to us men when we get to be about 19 or 20, we think we need to get married, because if we don't, it'll never happen. We get scared. I'm going to be an old man. I'm going to be an old maid. No, Isaac was 40. It's all right. That's all right. Now, it says this. Isaac pleaded with the Lord for his wife. Why, Ben? Because she was barren and the Lord granted his plea. Rebecca, his wife, conceived. Now, here's what I want you to see. Isaac was 40 years old when he married Rebecca. Rebecca didn't have babies, so he begins to plead. He begins to plead with the Lord. Please, Lord, Lord Jesus, please, okay? But I want to show you something. I want to show you something. Look at verse 26 with me real quick. In verse 26, towards the end, it says, Isaac was 60 years old when she bore them. Say what? Listen to me. Isaac prayed for 20 years non-stop for his wife to have kids. 20 years, he worshiped the Lord. You go, Ben, how do you know? Guys, circle the word for plead because here's what it means. It means to burn incense and worship, to intercede. So he wasn't just walking around going, Lord, if she has a baby, cool, amen. If you could do something, he was worshiping God. He was interceding. He said, Lord, please. And it took 20 years. You go, Ben, what is, what is your point? How can we apply this? Listen, church, we pray for five minutes and we get frustrated because God doesn't answer us. Oh, I've prayed. I've pray- have you prayed about it? I've prayed about it. How long have you prayed? Oh, I think a day or two. And God hasn't said nothing. He prayed for 20 years. And I've got to be honest with you. I probably would have given up after five. Minutes. That's how we are. We live in such an instant world, guys. I mean, boom, microwave in the in instant, boom. We got instant all kinds of stuff, instant baby food. I mean, no matter what. But when it comes to prayer, we won't pray, and we won't seek the Lord because we always think His answer is no,
2: and we give up.
1: And and I'm thinking, boy, what that that was so convicting. I wonder how many times Isaac's like, Pfft. I don't know, sweetie, I'm praying. Well, God doesn't hear prayer. I don't know, sweetie, I'm praying. Keep praying. Keep praying. Keep praying. Because 20 years later, God, is going to take 20 years. It may take 20, it may, it may not. God usually answers pretty well. But 20 years later, she gets pregnant. Church, listen to me. We need to be a praying, interceding, worshiping people, worshiping church. That's who we need to be, even if it takes 20 years. Okay, back to our story. But the children struggled together within her. And she said, if all is well, why am I like this? So she went to inquire of the Lord. Now, that's a good move, guys. Why? Because something wasn't right. Rebecca says something's not right. And so she goes and she asks the Lord. When was the last time you asked the Lord? You inquired, hey, something's not right. Here's where it starts. It starts in our hearts. Something's not right in my heart. Something I just stopped feeling. Something, Lord, what's going on? For Rebecca, it was about the kids, right? There were two. There were two kids, and they were they were they were beating up each other inside the womb, man. They were fighting each other. But what about us, guys? What about us? When we know something like 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 when we used to pray, we had the fervency to pray and and to read the word, and we were so zealous for God and we loved Him so much. And then we sort of woke up and we go, Lord, sometimes I just don't have that desire anymore. Something's not right. I think it'd be so cool to, hey, let's inquire of the Lord. Lord, what's going on with me? What's going on? I used to love you so much. I used to think about you. The first thing I would think about when I wake up is you. And before I went to bed, I made sure I prayed. And I ah, I've lost that loving feeling, man. And inquire of the Lord. Inquire of the Lord and where, you, where God wants to take you. Inquire of the Lord. Lord, what do you want for my future? I was talking to Gabby earlier and said, Gabby, what do you want to do after high school? And she goes, Well, I want to go to South Plains. Maybe God wants to do something more incredible with you. Maybe you're going to get a full scholarship to, to a big school. Inquire of the Lord. Don't, God's want to do so much. He wants to, I mean, you 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 might love football. You guys might say, man, I want to play football. I want to play pro. God can do it. Inquire of the Lord. God, what do you want for me? And he may say, yeah, you are going to go this way, but I've got a whole better way this way. And you go, but Lord, I don't want to go that way, but it's going to be so much better. But that's in everyday life.
2: Inquire of the
1: Lord. And the Lord said to her, two nations are in your womb. Two people shall be separated from your body. One people shall be stronger than the other. And the older shall serve the younger. Now, if you're taking note, here's what happens, Okay. We're going to have a Jewish nation and a Gentile nation, okay? This will be Israel. The other will be Edom. Why would it be a Gentile? Because Esau's not going to stick to his family. He's going to go outside the family and marry a Gentile. And there's where you have the Edomites. Now, Israel will be stronger than Edom as well as the Edomites will serve Israel. That's what he's saying. Now, you can jot Edomites right here because when you read through the Bible, this is the very first country they run into when they come up to possess the land 400 years after Egypt. They're going to come up, Mo, Edom is right here, and then they'll hit Moab. But you have the Edomites, the Edomites. So, notice verse 24, so when the days were fulfilled for her to give birth, okay, nine months, indeed there were twins in her womb, Okay. And the first came out red. He was like a hairy garment all over. And they called his name Esau. Afterward, his brother came out and he took hold of Esau's heel. So his name was called Jacob Jacobo. Isaac was 60 years old when he bore them. So here's what I like to say. I like to joke around, but think about it. That is so funny. Why? Because Rebecca gave birth to a rug. That's basic. I mean, a hairy dude. I mean, think about this. It's, that's what they named him. She called his name Esau, which means he, he came out full of hair and red. Baby, you gave birth to a rug. We don't need a rug. Are you sure there's two, babe? Because this looks like a moving rug. Oh, there's hair everywhere. I know what. We'll call him Esau. We'll call him, you know what Esau means? Harry. That's it. That's original, right? Hey, that's what should we call him? Let's call him Harry. Why? Because he's full of hair. And it's red hair. Can you imagine? Poor guy.
2: Poor guy. Well,
1: Jacob's no better. He's fighting with his brother. And when, when he comes out, he's holding on to the heel. Like, hey, I need to go out first. He's a heel catcher. That's what it means. Halcobo. Now, remember... God's going to change his name later on, right? What is he going to change it to? Israel. But right now, he's a supplanter, he's a heel catcher. So he comes out going, Wait for me. I need to go first. And Esau said, Quit pulling my hair. No, he didn't say that. I'm just kidding. But he was hairy, so, you know, I mean. They didn't have any razors back in the day. Can you imagine? You had to get a knife and get a nice little shave. He probably had that, probably a Viking. Anyway, Isaac was 60 years, think about this. Isaac was 60 years old with twins. Twins. I mean, think about it, You right? Okay, but really only 30, really only 30 in RD, okay? But 60, uh, you know, he's going, pray for me, why? I've got Twins. One is hairy and the other, I don't know. He's deceitful. He's a little hes a little booger. He's a little booger. So what happens, guys? What happens? How much time do we have? Okay, let's close right here. Kids are grown up. Another story is a birthright, but we'll get you out of here. Um, we'll save that for next week and we'll close our study right here. But I want you to remember the things that we've learned. You ready? Here's some things that we learned. You ready? Jot this down. This is so important. Number one, live life to the fullest. Could you do that? Whether you're 7, 75, or 175, live life to the fullest extent you can. What do you mean, Pastor? Guys, laugh a lot. Enjoy your family. Leave out the drama. I haven't any time for that. Let the drama. You know what? Listen, the negative people in your life, they got to go. They bring you down. Life is too short. Live life to the full. Fo- Listen, you got friends that are that are not encouraging you. You got friends that are not lifting you up. They need to go. You need people to go, man. I'm I'm with you, man. I'm going to lift you up. They need people to encourage you. Why? Because it doesn't matter. Eventually at 7, 75, 175, you're going to take your final breath and you want no regrets. You want to live your life going, man, I... I. That's what... That, guys, that's what Solomon says in Ecclesiastes. He says, listen, there's nothing new under the sun. Live it. You go, Ben, what else do we need to? Number two, remember the gospel. You go, what does that mean? Remember, when we get Jesus, we get it all. We get it all. And what I mean by that is heaven is already there for you guys. So you don't have to work for it. So what's he talking about all? You get all of it here on earth. Peace and joy. Compassion and mercy and grace. Number three. Live with the peace that one day you'll be joined to your people in heaven. And those that have gone before us are waiting for us. Make peace with that. Because the only way you're going to truly live is know where you're going when you die. That's the only way. Number four. What we learned tonight? Prayer and worship go hand in hand. Prayer and worship go hand in hand. If nothing else, be a prayer warrior. Listen to me. Even if it takes 20 years. Be a prayer warrior. Stay faithful to pray. Stay faithful to pray. And last but not least, we talked about this, guys, when... When things don't seem right, inquire of the Lord, seek Him, and wait. One of the ladies from, I think it was um, one of these groups... Mary Mary, I think is the name, and she, she remembers, she said something didn't feel right. And so she went home and she inquired of the Lord and she prayed and she fasted. And within three days, God revealed that her husband was having an affair and had been having an affair for 12 years. Praise God, they reconciled and God restored that. But here's the point. The point is, guys, is when we ask the Lord, he'll show us. And he'll show us our blind spots so we can get right and we can have that peace. Father, we thank you for your word tonight and the truth in your word. We thank you, God, that we can walk and grow in you. We look forward to what you want to speak to us next week, Lord, as as Isaac and Jacob steals the birthright from his, from his brother Esau and what that means. We look forward to what you have for us on Sunday. We thank you, God, that we have your word and that we can still preach your word in America. We do remember all of those, God, 18 years ago that entered eternity. we'll never forget God how the churches were so full and how people were banding together we'll never forget each soul and we'll never forget that you were with them in the towers and in the airplane and it will remind us Lord that we should not take life for granted that you're with us Always.
0: In Jesus' name. Amen. Hey, this is Pastor Josh. I hope this message has encouraged you in your walk with Jesus. If it has, we would love to hear your story of how it has impacted you, or especially if you responded to the invitation to receive Jesus into your heart as your Lord and Savior. To get in touch or to receive more information, please contact us by phone